This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, before we get the show started, Horse Radio Network for the first time has a wide selection of Horse Radio Network merchandise available for the holidays. Hats, saddle pads, masks, clothing, mugs, and so much more, either screen printed or embroidered. Get your orders in now for you or your HRN listening friends. Visit horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner on the homepage today. Happy holidays, everybody. This is episode 593 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by ProStride. On tonight's show, we interview dressage enthusiast Carol Cohen. After that, we have a great chat about pre-purchase exams with Dr. Laura Stokes-Green. And as a special treat, we're going to cover two trainer tips. This is Reese Koppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hello, Phil. Happy. We're recording Thursday. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Getting <laughs> together. Saturday. I know. It's <laughs> I actually really look forward to Thursdays because I get to hang out with you and Paul, our producer, and it's really fun as we're what else are we going to be doing right now as we're in lockdown? Yeah, and, and I, I enjoy our chats, you know, the in-between doing the show where, you know, we, we check in with each other and check in with yeah. with everyone's COVID situation and, uh, you know, we commer- commiserate about the, yeah. the whole problem. So <laughs> well, and, and just, just so everybody knows, you know, um, we have three countries that we do every time we do the show. Uh, I'm obviously in Kentucky and Phillip's in Canada and Paul is in England. So it's been actually quite an interesting summer slash spring to hear how everyone's handling everything so not well right now but <laughs> not well but it's kind of yeah. therapeutic to talk about it and you know yeah. and so i look forward to it yes we always enjoy thursday nights together it's really fun and we enjoy talking with you guys and uh enjoy the show i i think uh we're all i'm still always so thankful now of our horses and that we can continue riding and besides my uh social career which right now you guys are it thursday nights uh (laughs) i uh my, my life's pretty normal here but i live on a farm so uh you know it's i'm here with the horses and i get to spend a little extra time with them and that's really nice so I, I, I guess we were just talking and you're preparing to go, you're, you're preparing to go down South. Yep. Um, as of, as of today, we are planning on leaving in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, yeah, again, I, I, I also very lucky about my situation in Florida. I'm on a private facility. Uh, I'm very good friends with the, our landlady. Uh, we've been there. This will, whew, this will be our seventh season there, sixth or seventh season at this farm. Uh, so I'm very good friends. And, 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 uh, so we're going to pretty much be there. I don't know what we'll be doing. Uh, we'll be watching more Netflix, I think. And, uh, but no, it's good. So that's the plan is sort of, there's obviously some different challenges this year, coordinating the travel. Um, the horses will be fine and, and we will also be fine. Um, but we're pretty much going to get as quickly there quickly down there as we can. So that's the plan as of right now, but we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to really spending some time, some quality time training and being in the sun, obviously, and, and being closer to my coach. Um, so that'll be really, it'll be a good times. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, tonight we put together a little bit of a longer show. Like I said, in the yeah. intro, we've got a couple of trainer tips and, and a couple of great interviews. But uh, before we get to that, maybe Reese can talk a little bit about the the two different programs we've got going on. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know how long you've been listening to us. I hope you've been listening to us for a while, but we've had some great programs go on during uh, COVID, but we actually started our book club uh, several years ago and it's been very successful. So we want to, and, and it came up on the Facebook page and honestly, I need to put a picture of the book up, but our next book club book is Utograph's Effortless Dressage Program, a top rider's key to success using play, groundwork, trail riding, and turnout. 
So we are looking forward to this book right now. I think it'll be so fun for everybody as you're working this winter at the barn uh, to give some new, new life to that. So we hope you enjoy our book club. We will also, um, again, to be able to be eligible to get the book. So an auditor of our program is able to get the book and they need to join uh, the Horse Radio Network Auditor Program. And that's how you're eligible to get the book. So, and you can also support the Horse Radio Network as well. And then, Phil, we decided uh, a couple weeks ago with Nicole Harrington, we highlighted internet lessons and how to do them. And we decided that we wanted to give away two internet lessons with both you and I. Uh, we will be on with a listener and we've already gotten some amazing responses. This may go on. This may be a New Year's and a Valentine's Day uh, gift, but... Um, for right now, we're going to give it away right around the holiday season to two listeners and send us an email. This is how you're eligible and tell us your story. You can be about yourself. It can be about your trainer. It can be about a friend, anybody that you think could use uh, an hour session with Phil and I to go through their video. So you can do that by submitting it to Reese at horseradionetwork.com or Philip at horseradionetwork.com. So Phil, those are, those are my announcements and we hope everybody right. will participate exactly um and we we love our community and we want to keep it strong and going as we're going into the winter season but phil we got a great show we're going to go ahead and get started with dressage enthusiast carol cohen Tonight, we are so happy to have Carol Cohen on the show. Carol has done it all from being a mom of a high-performance young rider, now young professional, to uh, just a huge philanthropist in the dressage community. Carol, welcome to the show. Well, I'm so happy to be here, Reese. Really, thank you so much for having me. Well, we are thrilled to have you, and we wanted to, to start the interview to tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well... I got started in horses, actually, in my 40s. I'd always loved horses, but never, you know, had the time or the money. I used to ride at Claremont, though, when I lived in Manhattan, and I always loved them. So when my daughter, Rebecca, was born, and she was about two years old, her father, who has since passed away, said, let's buy Rebecca a pony. And we found this little, it was actually a mini horse. And she walked into the stall and said, I'm not leaving till you buy me this pony. And she <laughs> sat down right in a pile of manure. <laughs> so I looked at my husband, he looked at me and he goes, well, that's it. And we bought this little guy named Buster. And then Alan said, I think you need some horses too. So we bought several and um, we actually started out doing hunter jumpers. I mean, Rebecca was just a baby, so she was just getting up on Little Buster and going around in circles. But we bought hunter jumper horses. And then one day we lived in Florida, but we also lived in Bedford, New York, and we had an apartment in Manhattan. So we were out in Bedford. I was at the supermarket with my daughter, and we were in riding pants. And this woman said, hey, lady, what are you doing in those funny pants? And I turned around and she said, she started to laugh because she was in riding pants. And she said, hi, my name's Lyndon Gray. And I went, oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. This is yeah. a what a story. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm Carol Cohen. This is my daughter, Rebecca. And she said, where are you riding? And I told her that we had some horses out in Salem. And she said, well, why don't you come over to my farm? It was, you know, Sunnyfield right around the corner. That day, um, so Rebecca and I did. We went. And Rebecca, I think, was like three and a half or four at the time. And we went around the corner from the supermarket, and there was um, Michael Poulin, who was the chef to keep of the team at the time, teaching Courtney King on Idacus. And my daughter looked at me, and her little hands were over the side, and she said, Mommy, what's this called? And I said, it's called dressage. And she said, I want to do dressage. That's what we're going to do from now on. It was just wow. like when she went in the stall and said, wow. I'm not leaving till you buy me this pony. So we went to the local tax shop. Isn't it cute? It's a, such a cute it's, story. It's a I great story. I love this story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bought my first, um, we bought Sally Be Good, Rebecca's real pony there for through, through London. And I bought my first dressage horse named Beethoven through London. And I had all these other horses, which is really funny, but uh, you know, they either stayed with me 
or I ended up giving them to people who needed a horse. So it all worked out in the end, the, the, the hunter jumper horses. But the fact is, is that was our introduction to dressage. And I think that that's probably triple A rated introduction. My daughter and I, my daughter went to the tax stop store with me in Bedford center. And we asked the girl if there were any videos, cause that's what they had back then videos of dressage. And it was, Anki and Bonfire and Isabel and Gigolo. Yeah. And it was Bonfire versus Gigolo video. I think My I had that video. To watch that <laughs> yep, video over and over and over again. That was it. She was hook, line, and sinker. We were doing dressage, and that was it. And I that's love how it. we got into dressage. Yep, oh, my it. gosh. Now, you have since, you've been in Wellington for many years, right? You, you How long have you been yes. in Wellington? Um, about uh, 21, 21 or 22 years. Um, we lived in Boca Raton and because I decided that I wanted Rebecca to go to school in Florida. And we lived there and my late husband said, you know, we need to go to Wellington. Uh, we can't be down this way. We have to get our horses up in Wellington. So we found a piece of land on Indian Mound Road. It's Diamante now. Uh, the oh, cane zone. It they bought it from me. Right. So oh I my built, gosh. That was my first farm, and I actually designed that type of covered arena. They didn't have that style covered arena in Wellington, and my builders were five star builders. And Greg Isabel was one of the owners at the time, and he kept on saying I had to have a covered arena like the Pesslers. And they had just started or finished building their beautiful farm, which was at the right mm-hmm. on Pearson at the opening of West. And I said, well, how much was that? And he told me the number. I said, oh, that's just too much money. I can't afford that. And he said, well, you're going to have to build a a metal arena. I said, well, that's going to look so ugly and the barn is so pretty. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand why you can't just make a, how wide is a custom truss? He said, how wide do you want it to be? I said, well, why can't you copy the way the barn looks and do a covered arena and not have poles? And he said, we can do that. Wow. So we designed the covered arena and, you know, I w- didn't want to see the rafters because I figured, you know, birds would go up in there and they'd be pooping on our heads or something. So I yeah. said, well, why can't we put in tongue and groove? So we put in tongue and groove. This is kind of cute because we put in the tongue groove, but at that time we didn't, we didn't leave the spacers in for the wood to expand. Oh, so we'd sure. be riding in the arena and all of a sudden woods would be popping out. Oh, it was crazy and then of course they repaired it by putting in these spacers and it wasn't a problem but we just you know it was sort of like trial by error because I had never built my barn that was the first farm that I built and then when my late husband became ill he thought it was going to be too much work for me to handle on my own so we sold that and we started the second two swans farm which I owned from I think uh, 2000 to 2013 and Alan passed away. Rebecca decided to go to college and I, my horses were all going into retirement. So I decided to sell it, which was the best thing I ever did because it gave me a different perspective. And then I met Mary Blake 14 years later. And what do you think we're doing? We're building another barn. I love it. You know, we're going to, we would do a whole segment on what you learn because I think when you, and that is a thing when you design facilities, you're like, okay, I would do this differently or I would do this differently, or I really like that idea. Um, And I think that is so important. it, It is so important because you have to think of the horses first. And, you know, one of the things that I've been doing is going online and looking at everyone's farm and also the interviews like Carl Hester, you know, come on into my yard and lots of uh, professionals, including jumpers, because I don't think, you know, you know, McLean mm. Ward has done this. BZ Madden has done this. I'd love to see what they can share with me and mm. I've, and teach me because I wasn't like Rebecca growing up around horses. I was, you know, coming into this at almost middle age. Mm-hmm. And, but I believed um, as my husband now believes and my late husband believes that it should always be about the horses and, you know, there should be a convenience for the humans, but we really have to cater to the horses. But since then, I've learned so much about how I should, you know, stage things and put things and where they should go and how I should do them. You know, like the new covered arena will have doors that we can close on the sides when the rain is really bad and it'll have 
you know, excuse me, but the big ass fans and them to keep yeah. the, the movement of the air. That is a Lexington, inside. Kentucky based, based. Well, I'm just going to plug a Lexington, Kentucky business. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that's yeah. okay. Cause I think in Lexington, Lexington, they have so many different things that are so wonderful and catered to yep. horses. Yep. And they have so much education. Lisa Laurie, the way that she has started her farms, Spike Coast in Lexington, and what she's done with the rehab. I go online and I've just been stalking her rehab area and saying, okay, what do I want? I want an aqua spa and I want an aqua treadmill and I have the VitaFloor and we want an area where my vets can come right in that area, tack up and we can have our lasers and our shockwave and everything else that a horse needs to stay fit. So all of those things. So I'm very blessed because now I get to do a third barn and learn from all of my mistakes and also be able to have what I feel will be the correct thing for having horses that need to be in peak performance level all the time, which brings me to ProStride. Now, sorry, but this is my go-to that I use for my horses when they need injections. But I want to tell you something that happened to one of my horses because I don't think a lot of people really understand the importance of this science. Um, one of my horses named Captain, I left at a different uh, trainers while I was up in Massachusetts last summer. And after I got him back, he was biting us and he was rearing and he never did this. He was really a good boy all of his life. In fact, a sweetheart and he wasn't lame. So Dr. Holland said, we better call in Meg Miller. And she scoped him. She said in her 25 years, she had never seen ulcers as bad as the ulcers in this horse's stomach. And this is a complete 180 from what he was like four months prior to this. So he was a really unhappy little boy. And we used ProStride injected directly into his stomach, which was black, that looked like squamish cell type of cancer versus very bad ulcers. And it wasn't, it wasn't cancer. It wasn't tumors. It was just ulcers. And it's a miracle he's even alive. But by using ProStride, along with, of course, the usual protocol that you would use for ulcers, front ulcers, back ulcers, everything. But it was the ProStride that really turned the corner for his stomach. It had never been done before. And yes. they, they created something to be able to inject directly into his tummy. And it's cured him. Wow. It cured him. I, that is yes. so cool. I had no idea that was even a use. I mean, that's phenomenal. No one a knows. Story. And I have to really compliment. And Tim Ober, Dr. Ober and I, who's the USCT team vet for the jumpers, and I think just probably the one of the most brilliant, you know, diagnosticians I've ever come across, said to me, one of the things that we loved about Dr. Carol Holland is that she thinks outside the box. And she came along and said, well, let's try ProStripe. And she felt that it would do, this would be great. And we did it and it is great. So it isn't just uh, a modality or science that you use for injecting joints, which I do. Um, But there's a plethora of other things that I think that they're just beginning to scratch the surface. And when you get great vets like we have down here and in Lexington that are willing to take a chance and try something new, but think about it. It's their cells. It's their own cells, you know? So why not? Let's give it a whirl. And by doing that, it's cured him. And if I could ever post for you the difference in the, um, the way his stomach looked a year ago and the way it looks now, you would not believe it. She had one other patient that Dr. Um, Meg Miller Turpin had one other patient that had not quite as bad as Captain's ulcers, and he just couldn't handle it. He had to be retired, and this boy does not have to be retired. So in itself, I believe that this science, ProStride, is, you know, it's a miracle worker. Wow. It, what it, a it story. Really, yeah, it saved, saved your horse's riding career, uh, you know, at it least. Did. Uh, and his life, I think, and his actually. Life, yeah, and, and his quality of life, of course, because if you've ever had a horse with ulcers, they're not, they don't, they don't have a great 
quality of life because they they don't want to eat and they're really grumpy all the time and it's just it, it's not it's not a nice situation for anyone. No, no, Carol. No, I, I'm really not. glad we have you we have you tonight as well because uh, I, I've heard through the grapevine that that you've used the ProStride on your dogs as well. Can you tell yes. us about your experience um, with that? Your dog. Yes, one of my dogs. He has since passed away, but he passed away at 15. And this dog, when he was in his prime weighed 110 to 120. So he was a very large um, Catahoula Mastiff mix. And he had had, you know, ACL injuries and TPLO surgeries, etc. But as he aged, you know, using ProStride was really our go-to for him. And it really prolonged and saved his life until um, actually his hip came dislocated and we knew it was time. But he was 15, which no one could believe. And we really credit using ProStride injections. And I want you to know that wasn't being used down here. And I bully vets that don't understand this. And I, I... I am like a tiger. You have to do this. You have to help your your patients. You, I'm really nuts about it. Um, I brought him to my regular vet, and again, Dr. Holland accompanied us, and she brought her centrifuge and did the whole injection there, and I was able to sit in on it, of course, and they were just mesmerized by this. The next time I did it, I was able to go to Dr. Roy's uh, clinic which is an emergency clinic down on Forest Hill Boulevard in Wellington. And a new doctor named Dr. Ablin uh, is that also owns horses. And when I told her about ProStride, she said, wait a minute, send me the link. She used ProStride for, for uh, Tigger the second time. And then uh, she's now moved clinics up to Jupiter Farms. She, on uh, my second dog, Bruno, who's a pit bull, he had, an ACL surgery on one leg, which was the TPLO, which is what Dr. Roy had patented, that type of surgery. And the other one was done up in Massachusetts when we were up there during the summer, which is not a TPLO surgery. So that was the leg that was kind of failing. And this happened last fall. So she said, listen, we would have to take that out, put something else in. She said, it's just too much. And he's nine years old. So we injected him with ProStride. And... All I can tell you is he's fine. He runs, he plays, he jumps, he's not in pain, he doesn't favor, nothing. It was a slam dunk. Wow. So, oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, Carol, we can't thank you enough for, for all your stories and telling us, you know, what a great product ProStride is and how it can help. But the story about the ulcers is is unbelievable. I'm, like, making yeah, notes really as you is. do that. Like, that's in, that's amazing. So, so. For our last question, what what do you have on the horizon now? You have a new farm coming, and Rebecca, yes. your daughter now is a young professional, right? She's got lots of stuff going well, on. She's, yes, she's she is. Although she doesn't like to she doesn't like to say that too much because she feels that she hasn't really earned that spot. Although she's now listed as a professional, not a junior or a young rider. Um, so, or uh, yeah, young rider or under twenty five rider, I should say. Mm-hmm. But she. Um, She's trained with Jan Brink. When she came back from, you know, college, she went to Sweden to train with Jan. And since she's been back here, she's training with Lars Peterson. And I have to say that I'm so proud of her. We bought her for, we have six horses. Two of them I bred, which is um, Augustus and Captain. And the other four we bought through Jan and, or from Jan or through Jan, uh, Kai von Wittgenstein P., um, is the five-year-old that we just bought when he was four. He won Foster Bow uh, the summer before last, before COVID. And uh, we bought her a schoolmaster named Pronto. He's 15, but can I tell you, this is a horse in Sweden. He had never had an injection all of his life. He had had nothing done to him. So we started to give him, you know, the Wellington treatment. <laughs> and this horse thinks he's 10. He can pee <laughs> off like nobody's business, and he's amazing. So... We're really excited to see where she can go from here when season starts it. with Pronto. And then we have an eight-year-old named Toshumi, and she is um, Blue Horse Romancier Tuchinsky. She's a 
Rebecca likes big horses, like they're all 17-2, 17-3, 18 hands. So these horses are all international level horses. And then we have my horse, which is Mississippi. She's about 16-3. And Mississippi, actually, when she was a six-year-old, was in the World Young Horse Championships. And um, she was in reserves. But, but... She's very fancy, and I bought her for myself, but I haven't been able to ride her because now my <laughs> daughter rides her, and she'll do, yeah, she'll do CDIs in small tour, but Rebecca has her piaffing and passaging as well. She is 10 going 11, mm-hmm. so we're really excited. She's got, you yeah. know, and she rides the baby. She rides Augie. Augie just turned four in late um, May. And he is uh, from my mayor, Zumthun Zider, who was uh, Donner Hall, um, uh, Sandro Hitt, and the uh, abacus that I used to own to the stallion abacus, who is Tuchinsky Muiman. And wow. he was a Grand Prix horse. So yeah, he's yeah. not good. He's about 15, too. And, oh but he's precious and he's still growing and he's got a great big butt. So we're going Vallegro. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. Paul used to, yeah, I used to say, you know, that he had, you know, a head like a prince and, you know, the bum of a pauper. And um, <laughs> although I think he used more colorful language. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. So he's exciting. Terrific. So it's really well, exciting. And you know, she's, she's really heading towards high performance. So that's what's happening. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Well, Carol, we can't thank you so much for your time today. And I can't wait to see you in season here shortly and please stay safe and well. Thank you so much. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Have you heard of a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii? It's a type of probiotic that benefits your horse's digestive tract. Often referred to as S. boulardii, it works in several different ways. One unique property of S. boulardii is that it supports the stimulation of the enzymes found in the intestinal lining. These enzymes help your horse digest starches and sugars in the small intestine. When the sugars and starches are more completely digested, Fewer of them escape into the hindgut where they can ferment and cause imbalances that may lead to colic, diarrhea, and laminitis. Saccharomyces boulardii is found in Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products. Nalox Advanced contains a blend of yeast, fermentation solubles, and stomach buffers. These ingredients work together to maintain your horse's digestive tract in peak condition. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages and stages and is fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Saddles are the saddle brand that truly put your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Bates Saddles offer you many features you don't find with other saddle brands, including the external flexi-block system, which is anatomically contoured to your leg, allowing it to ride in behind the block and support your individual position for maximized comfort and security. An adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, which allows effortless rider alignment to be achieved by altering the position of the stirrup bar, enabling you complete control over your preferred leg position. Many styles are available, including the new Bates Dressage Saddles, the Bates Victress Show Jumping Saddle, and the Bates Advanta Eventing Saddle. It is the official saddle of the United States Eventing Association. You can learn more about Bates Saddles at BatesSaddles.com. That's Bates saddles.com Well, we have tonight another treat from Dr. Laura Stokes Green of Steel and Associates. She is back by popular demand, and tonight we are going to talk about equine back pain. Dr. Laura Stokes Green, welcome back to the show. 
Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, this is a huge problem with dressage horses. Um, So we wanted to kind of talk about it. And I'm just going to let you start kind of talking about back pain and how it presents itself. Great. So back pain can be from many different places in the back, right? So you have your withers, you have your thoracic spine where the lungs are, you have your lumbar spine right behind where the ribs end and the lumbar starts, and then you have your sacroiliac area. And the thing I think that makes it so fascinating is the number of muscles that attach to all of these different areas. And the amount of work that the horse does in the dressage position, stretching and lengthening these different muscles. So things like kissing spines, sacroiliac soreness, psoas muscle soreness, these are all things that I want to discuss today. And and one of the number one questions I get asked, especially on pre-purchases, is how significant are kissing spines? And is finding kissing spines in your pre-purchase the death sentence to your performance and and the future of the source. And my opinion is, no, it's not. Of course, this always depends on the degree of kissing spines. In talking about kissing spines, let's first define what that means. Kissing spines are the dorsal spinous processes, which are parts of the vertebrae that are protruding upward. And kissing spines means that those dorsal spinous processes are touching. And you can have different degrees of touching. You can have them that are just very slightly touching, or you can have them actually overlapping, or you can have them where they're not only overlapping, but there's also areas of lysis, which means bone degradation in the x-rays. And it is an x-ray diagnosis. And what I find fascinating is Sometimes there's pain and sometimes there's no pain. So I've done pre-purchases where I've run my hands and pushed right down the center midline of the back where those dorsal spinous processes are and had the horse just stand there very calm, quiet, collected, not showing any indication of moving away from my hand. But the owner has said, hey, I just want you to x-ray the back for whatever reason. And I do it and I find very clear kissing spines. Those situations always amaze me because... How can you have this underlying structural change with no pain associated with it? And then there are the cases where you run your fingers down that back and the horse just scoots away from you. Usually kissing spines are right under the saddle. So I think it's important to, when you're thinking about this, to really pay attention to saddle fit. And I know that we could spend a whole nother podcast or two or three or four about saddle fit. Um, But I do think it's important to make sure with a professional that the saddle is fit appropriately. And then one of the things that I also think is interesting about saddle fit is it's not only that the saddle fits your horse correctly, but sometimes when I watch people ride, if the horse has some muscle deficit on one side, the saddle will fit appropriately, but it will actually push the rider off to the side. So I've, I've seen very clear indications where the rider trots straight away from me and they're listing to the left and I'll take the rider off and I'll look at the saddle and I can see that the saddle is listing to the left and I'll feel the saddle fit to see if there's any wiggle or maybe if it's the saddle, but it's not actually the saddle, it's the horse's back. So in those cases, I like to shim the side that has the deficit to try and get that rider more level and then really have the trainer work with them to try and exercise their back and build up the side that is has the deficit yeah i mean uh you can you can fit like all horses have a little bit of a confirmation difference or or a little bit difficulty especially if it's a young horse learning how to move and how you know so i think it's it's pretty it's pretty darn important to be looking at your your saddle fit quite often on on the younger guys that are developing rather than the older guys that are a little bit more established and and, you know, but uh, in dressage especially, I think training for back mobility, training for, you know, the correct kind of stretching and the correct kind of muscle building, it's just so central and important to, to what we do. Absolutely. And then I have the question also of if you know that you have kissing spines and you recognize that there is some pain there, what can you do about it? Well, you can inject in between each of those dorsal spinous processes, and that will oftentimes alleviate a lot of the soreness. Um, I use that as my number one modality versus 
some, you know, sometimes people have asked me, oh, should I do a surgical removal of the dorsal spine? And I tend to shy away from that unless it's just so um, severe, which is very, very rare. Yeah, like surgery, surgery kind of on, on someone, you know, not someone, but a, your horse's back is, is serious, right? I mean, there's there's a lot going on with, with the bones, but also the nerves that are down there. I, I think that, like you said, is kind of a last case scenario. I was just going to ask about some of the other problems with, with the back and things that, that you would be looking for. The next one that I deal with that's so common is sacroiliac soreness. So that is the area right behind the lumbar back that involves the whole pelvis. And I think a lot of us humans can identify with sacroiliac soreness or sciatica. Um, happens in horses as well. It's very common. And especially in dressage horses, as they're asked to collect and sit on their hind end and push so much with their hind end, the sacroiliac is really an area where they focus uh, the, the muscles and they can get quite sore. So the thing that I like to pay attention there is what are the ways in which I can decrease that sciatica and decrease that soreness? And there are a couple of different modalities that I use for that. One is shockwave, which I find to be wonderful because it is not invasive at all and it requires no steroids and it requires no injection. Um, so the shockwave I would do a couple of times, probably three times in a, in a series. I would do them maybe once a week, depending on the level of pain and the level of chronicity of the sacroiliac soreness. I find that that you can get an immediate improvement where I'll do it the day before. And then the very next day, the rider gets on and says, wow, the level of comfort and mobility and push that I can feel is so much different. Um, another modality to, to address sacroiliac soreness is functional electrostim, which is sort of newer on the forefront of the therapies that we're using. And the idea with that is you're using electric pulses to contract and relax the muscles of the sacroiliac and the rump area, the gluteals. Um, and that can really help to build up that area and also to relieve pain. And then third one is mesotherapy, which I find fascinating because it's based on the same idea as when you bang your shin and then you rub your leg and you're, it feels less painful. Because, or, or another example is when you pinch your horse's neck before you give it a shot and then the horse reacts less than if you just jab them with the needle. And the idea is that you are tricking the nerve endings and by injecting this um substance into for the mesotherapy that you're blocking this pain response and you're getting a decrease in the feedback loop for pain. That's incredibly interesting because I, I didn't actually know that about meso. I'm like, wow, that's what happens. That's really, that's, that's cool. Do you see any other back pain issues overall? Another very common one is your psoas muscle. And if you look up, I, this is another thing I love to do is just Google search, um, like equine sacroiliac or equine psoas muscle. And it will show you all of these pictures of these huge muscles that are controlling so much of the movements that we ask them to do in dressage. So the psoas muscle runs underneath the spine from where we can feel it and then into the pelvis. And it can get incredibly sore. And so we can actually um, use the ultrasound to inject into that muscle. And I usually do use a steroid to do that to try and decrease the pain. And it's a, it's a injection that goes right into the muscle itself. The idea being if you can decrease the inflammation and get that muscle to relax, that you'll get a better movement overall. And then the other thing that I really love to do is encourage people to stretch their horses, just like we stretch for riding and we stretch for mobility and we do Pilates, yoga and Pilates, I mean, I'm putting that in quotes, right? Because it's not official, but it, those stretching exercises for horses are so, so helpful. And I will actually put a couple of videos of what I'm talking about in terms of the stretching as exercises on my Instagram. So check those out if you're interested. It basically involves pulling the leg forward and then pulling it back and doing range of motion exercises that are going to stretch the psoas muscle and the gluteal muscles. The other thing is that I think in, in the 
regular dressage training of a horse, and especially if you're doing any um, training or, or teaching your horse movements at fourth level and above, we are working the back muscles. So there is an amount of back discomfort that, that is normal in the training process. And, and this I have to be careful with is that um, I'm not going to go out and train, like if a horse is new to pirouettes, for instance, I'm not going to go out and train every day. Well, you've got to do pirouettes. And then you can, you can make your horse very, very sore. And then, and then you're going to have to get a veterinarian involved because you've overworked the horse or, you know, you've created your own, your own problems with training. Yeah. I, can definitely relate to that. And I think it, it's so important to have the trainer involved in terms of um, helping to guide the program. Because just like you say, if you have a horse that's a little bit weaker and then you drill on a lot of exercises that are higher level exercises, you can put them into muscle spasm. So sometimes a little bit less is a little bit more, you know, and I think also sometimes giving them some rest and just seeing if the muscles cool out on their own can also be a good way to go. Uh, you know, and I'm using sometimes some NSAIDs, you know, uh, Butte, for instance, to, uh, to help them with their training. If, you know, if on one day I bring them out and they, and they look a bit sore, uh, I might, I might, you know, treat them myself with, with that kind of thing. And, and a few days off, I think that's always okay to, to take your time. What are your, what are your thoughts? I agree completely because if I, for example, for myself, have a very intense workout and feel incredibly sore the next day, what do I do? I take some Advil and then I stretch and I take it a little bit easier. And I think it's appropriate to do the same thing for your horses because, you know, we all want to build them up. And during that building process, they can get a little bit sore and that's fine. And then the other medication that I have a lot of people use is Robaxin, which is a muscle relaxer. So sometimes they'll add in the butte with the Robaxin for a day or two days or three days, depending on, you know, what their, what their goal is. And then I just wanted to bring another little story from my own experience in, in a horse that was, um, misbehaving and, and not going as well as I, I'm used to having that horse go. And uh, it sort of presented itself as as a back pain problem. But when we got down to it and tried to, you know, got the vet involved and tried to diagnose, we actually treated for ulcers and the horse got better very quickly. So just in my own experience, sometimes you're thinking back pain, but uh, ulcers can present uh, differently in different horses. It's a very good point. You know, I think that's, it's, it's looking at the whole horse and, and trying not to be too, you know, narrowed in on just one thing, because it's true that so many other things can manifest that way. No, I think you're, you're incredibly, and this is where it's so important to have your vet and your trainer and just yourself, uh, just the whole team aspect of looking at all these things and things crop up as you train horses and you ask harder things of them. One more thing I want to just plug is I love the Equiband. That's another um, modality that I think is really helpful, which is an exercise band that goes around their rear end and under their abdomen. And I find that, especially in horses that are rehabbing, that this is a really good way to get their rear ends under themselves and to help them to use their backs. But as you said, Philip, sometimes they get a little sore with this, so you do have to monitor it. Yeah, absolutely. Any of those tools, I think you do need to be very careful and talk with your vet and your trainer and, and use those appropriately. I've, I've had that go badly and cause more back pain. So I think it's, it's one of those things you have to be cautious with. As any tool, uh, you have to know how to use them. So absolutely. Well, Dr. Laura Stokes Green, how can we find you online? So you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Laura SG. That's Dr. Laura SG. Um, I post a lot of photos and I love when people ask questions on there. So feel free to reach out to me that way. Or you can email me at stokesgreendvm at gmail.com. And that's spelled S-T-O-K-E-S. Green like the color with an E on the end, dvm at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to have you back on another time. Tired of having your boot sucked off, bid-stride by sticky mud? Mud control grids are the solution. Frustrated by mushy, slippery messes at the paddock gates? Mud control grids are the solution. 
Is keeping the ground underfoot stable in your sacrifice areas and dry lots causing you to lose sleep? Once again, mud control grids are the solution. You're seeing a trend here, aren't you? Well, Han Plastics Mud Control Grids really has come up with the best solution. Unlike other plastic grids on the market, mud control grids can be installed directly on top of the mud. Let me say that again. Right on top of the mud. You don't need to do any ground preparation. The mud control grids are an instant solution to your high-traffic muddy areas. No more having to fill in with sand, gravel, shavings, or even old carpet. What's more, mud control grids will allow grass to grow underneath of them so they can be taken back up once the area is dry or recovered. Or you can leave them right where they are and take over again when the rainy season comes back around. Han Plastics mud control grids are designed to be installed as a temporary or permanent solution. You can take them with you with you move. Put down a lot, put down a few. Add more each year. The ultimate mud control solution. Check out Han Plastics mud control grids at mudgrid.ca. Oh, an added bonus, your tractor or gator won't sync up to its axles with Han Plastics mud control grids in place. So there's that www.mudgrid.ca I've got a quick word from EcoGold saddle pads. No slipping, no sliding, no problem. EcoGold secure saddle pads are engineered to keep the horses back comfortable while keeping the saddle in place for a safe, competitive ride. They have impact protection through the seat and ultra-thin flaps to provide the rider with better communication and a more stable riding position. Available in both English and Western styles. Shop the entire collection at ecogold.ca. Well, Phil, you have a fantastic listener question for us as our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. What you got for us? We got this question sent to us via Facebook, which is you know pretty easy to do, so... Uh, we wanted to get to it before the before the end of the month, and then we get going on other things and, and, and all that stuff. So here is the question. I currently ride an, a grade X Amish horse who probably pulled a plow and is now uh, at least 22. All right. Aww. We have our first and second level bronze medal scores, and we just hit third level in schooling. Before this horse, the highest level I've ever ridden was training. And his, and his highest level was plowing. <laughs> I like this. I like this message. Anyways, it's Yeah, we like it. We, we're getting it. We're getting what she's putting down. I like it. Yeah. So I've been told by a couple of trainers that now would be a good time to start in the double bridle. And that is really intimidating. She says, don't worry. I'm working with somebody who knows how to fit him. Can you please do a trainer tip on the benefits of the double bridle and help me with my double bridle anxiety? Yeah. Okay. I love this. This is a thing, actually. This is, this is a great tip or great question because I mean, I think that's even questions that we as trainers have. And trust me, I have asked Phil this many times, like, can I do it? Can I do it? Come on, come on. No, wait, no, wait. You know? So, I mean, this is a question. It's always, it's always a question, right? I think you're well within the range. If you have shown successfully at second level and your horse, he's 22. So uh, at this point we need to kind of help you and help him get some muscles for a third level, which is difficult. And obviously the double bridle is legal at third level. So you're well within the range to start to think about it. Um, and I love that you said that it's, you have bits and that your bridle is fitted. Well, I think that's actually another really good point, uh, and very important that when you start to think about a double bridle, that you either have a professional, take a look at it, or you work with your trainer, um, because that's very important. There are some brands, there are some sort of standard things you can start with, but if you have like a thoroughbred or in his case, a pl- he was a plow her- horse, like he may have had some injuries in his mouth. So that's important to kind of just throw out there. You, you did say that in, in your tip that you, you were, you did have someone to help you fit it, which is awesome. So I think the anxiety is good. I, I actually, in general, think anxiety is not necessarily a bad thing. We just have to come up with some strategies to manage it. So a couple of things that I find when people are getting ready for a double is they are intimidated, intimidated by two reins. Um, so, uh, I always tell them, number one, you need to have two different size reins. Um, 
little known fact about me is I actually have very small hands. So my reins are actually pretty narrow. And it, like when Phil sits on my horses, I'm sure he's like, oh my gosh, those reins are so narrow. But I need that when I'm carrying two reins. I need thinner reins. So I kind of, I, I like um, a rein with a little rubber on the top that's a little thicker than my my curb rein, which is a little thinner so that I can feel that. So that's important that you have proper reins. And then um, I tell people to ride with two reins on a snaffle for a while if they, if they're really intimidated by two reins. So that's one thing. Cause then the other thing is just to take your horse out and hack your horse. And so that you and him get used to the feeling of the double. And as you're, as you're out there outside, you're, you're, shortening your reins, you're getting used to maybe shortening your curb rein on the left side, but keeping it long on the right side, you know, just playing with all the different ways that you can do your curb and your snaffle. So that's another thing that I do um, when it comes to sort of having anxiety. Again, um, you know, people don't want to hurt their horse, uh, which is good because with a the double, there does need to be some healthy respect. But I have a feeling if your horse was a plow horse, he's used to having some level of bidding in his mouth. Um, so, but again, we want to make sure that he's, he's okay. So Phil, that's this, the start. Do you want to take it from here? Yeah. I mean, if you've been advised by trainers to that, this would be a good idea for your horse. I think that they are probably seeing that your hands are quiet enough yeah. and that your horse is a little, maybe a little too much on the contact, which is fine. That helps when you're transitioning to the double bridle because you've got You've got a, a separate bit that that deals with, um, you know, elevating the pole a little bit, and you know that that it's a good a good idea to start start with this horse. And then the other thing is that as as we're bidding in in modern bridles and modern bits, they're not as severe as you maybe think that they are, you know. And and if you if you try it and it goes bad. You can always take it off and just ride in the snaffle for a while again. So, or, or maybe send the horse to, you know, get your trainer to ride it at first to make sure that everything's going to be okay. And then um, I, I like the idea of riding with two reins on the snaffle bridle. That's good. I, I have riders use um, a neck rein. So they put it in, in their hand like, like it was the, the curb rein. So that they're not even they're not even on the mouth they're they're just on on the neck, um, you know. So it's some some different strategies, but it, it's going to be okay. I think. You yeah, know? it's fine. Your horse is not yeah. going to resent you and and hate you for the for the two bits and whatever. And you know, and like like Reese said, if this is a twenty two year old horse, it's it's time to do it. You know, every day is a blessing, kind of thing. And 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 you know, to just get some experience and. and after riding with it for a little while and, and coordinating and, and having help on the ground to not, you know, the, the biggest thing is to not let your snaffle rein get shorter than your, or sorry, your, your curb rein get shorter than your snaffle. Because when that happens, yeah. you, you, it's, it's wrong. So that's basically the, the guideline that I tell people. Just, even, you know, if your horse accepts it, let the curb rein be, be loose and floppy and, you know, it can, it can always be longer. But there are certain situations where you do not want it shorter, you know. So it's be it's better it be too long than one centimeter too short, kind of thing. So, and and you, you know you, you adjust and and just like everything else, you know, you adjust and you and you work on it and and it'll be fine. Yeah, it it really is like it, it happens. But I think again. It's nice to do it in not a uh, pressure situation. You wouldn't want to change to the double right before a competition. You know, now, right now is a great time to, to transition to a double because uh, there's not a lot of competitions going on for all of us. Um, so that's a good time now to, to have your trainer work with your trainer. Uh, but also, you know, there's tons of stuff online too about this. So, um, don't have anxiety. It's good. Again, I, I love that you have anxiety or a healthy respect for the double, um, because a lot of people use them incorrectly. And again, what you're trying to do, you're using the double for enhancement of the aids, right? And so that's why you have that there. So the curb brain is not meant to be pulled on. Um, it will help with flexion at the pole because obviously you're adding in pull, pull pressure from the curb. Um, but it, it's, it's really meant to make your life a little easier. And like Phil said, I have a feeling your trainers are, are saying, Hey, come on, let's, uh, let's give you a, a little bit of help. Um, 
with with that. So I hope these are great tips that will help you and uh, keep in touch with us. As you all know, we love listener questions. It makes our day. And uh, keep in touch with us on how it's going and or send us a picture to the Facebook page. We would love it. Well, Phil, we always like to talk about the total saddle fit shoulder relief girth. And you've got a great tip for us this week. Well, I was just going to say for all the people who are clipping your horses and and making their coats, you know, really quite short. At this point in time, this is when I'm switching over to the fleece liners for these, uh, for the girths that you can, you can purchase separately from, from the girth itself. Because early on in their in their clipping, they they can get their they can get rubs because their hair is so short. So I try and keep that in mind for their comfort that I'm applying these uh, the the lovely fleece girth liners. That is Phil. That's an awesome tip. See, you are so smart. That is so true. <laughs> because and I was total- literally doing it today. I had, I had the horse <laughs> that has a fr- you know is fresh. The other a couple of them got done last week, and then I'm doing some the doing some clipping on horses today and and I'm like oh I got I got to make sure that I'm not going to get any any rubs because of their short their short coats I love it. So smart. And, and just like total saddle fit, they have great options. And the neoprene liner is what we really like to use in the summer. Cause you can just hose it, but it makes total sense to switch to the fleece. And so it's just one of the great products they have at totalsaddlefit.com and t- check out their website. They have great products. And we have another great total saddle fit tip of the week with Patrick Tigler. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. For this week's Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we are so happy to have Patrick Tigelar. He's an international rider and trainer, and he is the owner of Dynamic Dressage. Patrick, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you have a great tip about connection, so I'm going to let you take it away. Okay. Yeah. So really one of my big things in pretty much every lesson, no matter beginner lesson, upper level horse, um, is really to focus on, on the connection. Like how, how does your horse connect to the bit? Is there, is there a relationship from your leg into your hand and can you influence that? And, um, of course, when we look at the training skill, we're, we're taught to look at tempo and rhythm, relaxation, and the third step is connection. So for me, those three steps are really your foundation. Like my horse has to be rhythmical in each of their gates. They have to be relaxed enough so that they use their back. And as a result of those, those things kind of added up, the horse should and usually will reach in a forward downward direction and make a pleasant contact with the rider's hand. And then I think what is very important to keep in mind that as soon as we lose that forward downward direction in the contact, and that doesn't mean that the horse needs to always go super long and low, but it should be the feeling that if you give a little bit with your hand, that the horse's neck goes in a forward downward direction. So first level, the stretchy circle is very much to prove that the horse has a correct connection through the body to the bit. Um, and what I think is so important to remember is whenever we're trying to go further in the training is that as soon as we lose that feeling of the horse being relaxed in that way, that we stop, we fix the connection, and then you continue with whatever exercise you are working on. So whether it's a shoulder in or Piaf or pirouette, the moment you lose that, that feeling that the horse is relaxed enough to take the, the rider's hand in a forward downward direction, Take a step back, fix that first, and then go back to where you where you left off, basically. So, Patrick, I want I want you to describe to us. We're not going to let you let you off that easy. What okay. do you do? What do you do to fix the connection? You know, what is the strategy? What are what are some tools? Uh, so that's a really good that's a really good question because it depends on where it goes wrong. I would first of all always look look at myself. Like, where am I in my seat? Was there something in my body in my seat that I blocked the horse? Am I accidentally pulling harder on one rein or the other? Is my hip blocked? Is my back too tight? You know, I think in that we all have a list in our own bodies that we need to stay aware of. 
so that is for me always the first thing that I go to make sure that my seat was in the right place and make sure that I wasn't the cause of the issue. And then second is how was my tempo and my rhythm before I ran into the problem? Was I accidentally speeding up too much, too much and causing my horse to lose his balance? If they lose their balance, they can't relax in their top line. If they can't relax in their top line, they can't connect to the bit in the proper way. So it's, it's again, you kind of also need to look back at the steps before the connection and make sure that the tempo and rhythm stayed correct, that the horse was relaxed enough. And then kind of what I, what I go to as an actual like fix is usually trying to bring a better bend into the horse by really motivating from my inner leg to drive the horse to the outset rein. that if there's a tension issue, I bring a gentle bend into the horse, which usually starts to help with bringing uh, more relaxation into the top line and therefore you fix the connection. So Patrick, are the gentle bend, are you doing that through a bending line? Are you doing that through a movement? How, how, how would you be yeah, doing Yeah, usually on a circle. Usually I go back to a 20-meter circle, really simple, and yeah, start there. Because again, if it's an exercise, I, I want to have a pretty decent feel in my connection before I start doing actual exercises. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think um, both sides of the problem, like horses that like to you know, pull on your hand and get, get U-shaped or get upside down a little bit. They could always use a little more suppleness and horses that hide behind the connection, hide behind the bit and curl up into their chest also need to be driven, driven forward, but not forward in an yeah. unorganized, in an unorganized way. Um, right. So like you said, for, for the younger horses or, or, you know, early on in the training and in a, a warm up, you're on big bending lines, but later on you learn how to connect the horse through a, a bit of a shoulder in and it's the same effect is that yeah you know it's just creating better balance from from inside hind leg to outside rein and then most like you said most problems will kind of go away if you can if you can make that the the standard of of your connection i i just have a problem with people yeah. you know kick the horses on in a straight line well there's no balance there and then it doesn't really fix much so um yeah. Yeah, and you end up usually with the hind legs kind of out behind and just more speed instead of yeah. two impulsion that helps fix yeah. stuff. So, so yeah. that's why that's why I'm I'm loving this this talk about connection because it has to be for me a little bit in a diagonal way through the horse's body, and uh, you absolutely know, curving the horse in in some manner, um, you know, uh, will 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 definitely help with all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And Patrick, real quick, I mean, you mentioned position, and I think that that maybe is worth a discussion as well, that, you know, obviously position can be an issue. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, the rider's position, you mean? Yes, yes. The rider's yeah, position. so um, it's been, this has been kind of my pet, my pet peeve of you <laughs> over the last couple of days. I've been talking to my students a lot about it, because I think... Um, when we think about position, we all we all know what a correct dressage position looks like. You know, we can all open a book and look at the, the the picture perfect position. But I think more importantly, so is in the moment. Am I? Is my seat? Is the way that I use my body in the most harmony with my horse for that moment, or am I out of the way enough for my horse to make his job easier? Or can I on purpose sometimes be in the way a little bit enough to make the wrong thing a little bit harder? So I think it's, it's, that's, yeah, it's a super interesting subject, of course, to think position mm -hmm. versus functionality in the seat. Um, and I think the functionality comes first. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had a, a student today that had a little bit uh, to give a, an actual real life example. The horse was a little tight in the back and the rider had a little bit she had a very good position, but was just slightly behind the movement. So not quite effective in her using of her seat. So the horse had a little trouble really reaching over the back and really connecting to the bit. So I, I told her as, a, as an example, like, just forget about your position and lean a little forward, get a little light in your seat, get a little creative that way and see where you can put your body that it helps the horse more. And then from there, um, 
when the horse is really truly balanced over four legs and really connecting in the right way, then automatically, in my opinion anyway, if you have a certain sense of body control, you come back to the more classical, perfect position, if you will. But I think different situations do require different positions, if you will. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. That's why I thought it was really interesting. You brought it up and I was, we could do a whole nother trainer tip on that, a whole nother three days on that. But I thought that was interesting (laughs) how you said that, you know, it was like, yeah, that could, it could really affect it as well. Well, Patrick, you have been amazing. This was a great tip. How can our riders um, and listeners find you online if they have any more questions? Yeah. So easiest way to reach me is on Facebook. Um, the, my business page is Dynamic Dressage, which uh, is the business that I run together with my girlfriend, Jess Idol, who's a very good trainer in her own right. Uh, we just started working together, and so we're very excited. It's, it's really quite a new uh, business venture, and um, that will be the easiest way to reach us. It will become a website hopefully soon, uh, but Facebook for now is the best way. Fantastic. Well, Patrick, thank you so much. And we wish you both luck in your new adventure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Well, as always, Phil and I love email and Facebook shout outs. They they keep us smiling. They keep us coming back. We love it. So please touch base with us about anything, uh, trainers tips. However, also don't forget our book club book, which is Effortless Effortless Dressage Program by Uta Graf. And don't forget to nominate yourself, your trainer, your friend, somebody you think uh, would really or could use a lift and a lesson from Phil and I. We're going to do an online lesson and we look forward to having your nominations and send it to Reese at horseradionetwork.com or Philip, that's one L, at horseradionetwork.com. As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's... ProStride, Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, Eco Gold, Han Plastics, and Bait Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back. Please stay safe and well, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. (laughs) 